um, Genesis 12. Um, on Thursday night, we're going to meet at 6.30 this week. 6.30. Um, that will make room for our um, orchestra to practice after church and still get home at a decent hour. So 6.30. Don't forget that. Genesis chapter number 12. And we'll begin reading, I guess we'll just begin reading in verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, <clears throat> and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land under the place of Sichem, under the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram, Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into the land, into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. And the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst not thou tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidst thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to wife? Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot, Lot with him into the south. 
And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I pray only what you would once said will be said. And I pray, Lord, that we would learn from Abraham's faith failure. And Lord, may we be sobered about failing by faith. And if we have failed, Lord, how we can return to a place of blessing. Father, I ask you for your help. I pray you'd work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We learned this morning that Abraham was a man of great faith. He left his land, his family, and his home to journey to another country because God instructed him to. He traveled over 700 miles from the Ur of the Chaldees to Haran. He was there for a while, and then he journeyed 400 miles to Canaan, waiting for the confirmation of his faith. When he reached Canaan, God spoke again. He appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. We don't know how long this took exactly, but he traveled 1,100 miles, and then God said, This is the land. What great faith Abraham had. At this place, there was a place called Bethel. And Bethel means the house of God. Did you know that? Bethel, that's that's your name. That's a cool name. The house of God. And there he built an altar and he offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And he called on the name of the Lord. Abraham was devoted to God. and And his relationship with God was real and vibrant. The Lord desires every Christian to have a real and vibrant relationship with him. And a close relationship with God produces spiritual fruit. Growth is God's will for every Christian. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Growth in the Christian life is God's will for every believer. In James chapter 1, you can hold your place in in Genesis 12, but go to James chapter 1, and we see a snapshot of what the growth process looks like. James chapter 1. When we, when we become Christians, we're, we're very aware, especially if, if we didn't grow up in a dedicated Christian home, but um, we're very aware that a lot of our behaviors and a lot of our attitudes are, are not right. They're sinful. And we don't, we don't often need a lot of instruction from God because, from the Word of God initially, because the Holy Spirit brings 
an alertness to our mind that what we're doing is wrong. Um, when, when I accepted the Lord, I was a junior hire. You know what junior hires love to do? They love to swear. They love to swear. They probably swear more per capita than any other age group because they think it's cool. Well, I had a filthy mouth swearing all the time. But when Jesus came in my life, guess what? I didn't hear a sermon that says, thou shalt not swear. I didn't hear a sermon. There was just something inside of me, which I learned later was the Holy Spirit, that said you shouldn't be swearing. And I remember telling my trying to get my friends to stop swearing. Um, so the first step of spiritual growth is separating from evil. Second step is receiving truth from the word of God. Third step is obeying what we're learning. And then the continual examination by the word of God in our life. We see this in verse 21 through 25. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word. So we see the laying apart of filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness. We see receiving with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. So we see the receiving of God's truth, and we should receive truth like the Bereans. The, the, the Jewish people at the synagogue in Berea were different than some other synagogues that the Apostle Paul preached the gospel in. It says they received the word of God with all readiness of mind. They, had a, they, had, they were like sponges to receive God's truth. You know, that's the exciting thing about Metro Baptist Church. It's a church full of people that want to learn more about God's truth. And that's, that's a vital part of spiritual growth. And then we see in verse 22, it says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So spiritual growth involves obeying the word of God. And then in verse 25, we see, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. So we look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So a continual looking into the word of God so that we can be changed. That's what the spiritual growth process looks like in short. And it is the will of God for every believer. Now go back to Genesis chapter 12. Shortly after Abraham's arrival in Canaan, a famine came to the land. A famine came to the land. And so we see Abraham's faith was tested by a famine. He has just arrived in Canaan. He's built an altar. God has appeared unto him. <coughs> Not many people have had the privilege of the appearance of God before them. So this must have, this is, this is a theophany, a, a, an Old Testament appearance of Christ. He appears to him and he tells him, this is the land. This is the land. 
And then he starts getting hungry and he says, I got to go somewhere else. Abraham's faith was tested by a famine, but unbelief caused him to leave the place of God's blessings. And here's a spiritual law. Our spiritual growth stops when we disobey the Lord. It stops. You can be obeying in many areas, but if you choose to obey and disobey in one area, your growth is stopping at that point. Abraham had a great faith journey from the Ur of the Chaldees to Haran and to Canaan. But now, through unbelief, he heads down to Egypt. Abraham's unbelief caused him to leave the place of God's blessing. What did, what, what, did, what did unbelief lead to? It led to fear. He was afraid that he was going to be killed by the Egyptians. Then his fear led to godless reasoning. His godless reasoning was, I can lie. I can put my wife at risk. I can save my skin. It was godless reasoning. Unbelief led to fear, led to godless reasoning, which led to selfishness. And then selfishness led to dishonesty. And Proverbs tells us that a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. Lying is an awful thing. And it hurts everyone who's affected by it. And then we see also here that Abraham's dishonesty led to a fruitless influence. Abraham didn't have much influence on the Egyptians. You know, they, 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 were, they were offended and they were, um, you know, they were, they were put off by Abraham's lying and dishonesty. <clears throat> this downward progression all began with Abraham not believing God. He sought his own solution, and it led to a fruitless life. I want you to turn to Hebrews 3. God calls unbelief evil. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. There's much in this chapter. Jesus is compared to Moses, but that won't be our focal point. I want you to notice these things as we read through this quickly. It's possible for a believer to harden their heart. It's possible for a believer to harden their heart. It's possible for a believer to always sin in their heart. The word you'll see is err, E-R-R. It's a synonym for sin. It's possible for a believer to depart from the living God. Now, they'll never get away from God. But in, re in fellowship, 
it's possible for a believer to depart from the living God. And we know the doctrine of eternal security, that um, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. But in fellowship with God, it's possible for a believer to depart from the living God. You'll notice that in this chapter. And it's, you'll also notice it's possible for a believer to be hardened in their heart. Let's, let's notice these things as we read Hebrews chapter 3. Notice the audience. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. He is, he is, his audience are believers. They've partaken of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him. Jesus was faithful in everything he did. As also Moses was faithful in all his house. You know, that's a pretty privileged place for Moses to be placed. Talking about Jesus' faithfulness and now talking about Moses' faithfulness. Verse 3, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who had builded the house had more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, Christians, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. So he's using the children of Israel that were passing through the wilderness for 40 years. He says, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites did in the wilderness. Verse 10, wherefore I was grieved. It's possible for us as believers to grieve God. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So they are always sinning in their heart and they don't know the ways of God. And they were watching God provide for them every day for 40 years manna from heaven for 40 years, shoes that never wore out. You know, you know a, a teenager's running shoes that cost $100, they only last six months. But these shoes lasted 40 years. They saw all of this with their eyes, but yet they did not know the ways of God. 
Verse 11, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. They shall not enter into the promised land. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. You see that? Unbelief is evil. In departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Exhort one another. Encourage one another. Challenge one another. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The audience are Christians. And God tells them here very plainly. I can find my notes here. Yeah. It's possible for a believer to harden their heart. It's possible for a believer to always err in their heart. It's possible for a believer to depart from the living God. Verse 12. See that verse 12 again? Take heed, brethren, lest there be any in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And verse 13, it's possible for a believer to be hardened in their heart. I'd like to just give some personal testimony. In the summer of 2021, I took my eyes off God and his promises. I put my eyes on the problems of COVID and not on our God. And folks, the Bible says that's an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. And I became fearful. Fearful. Unbelief will lead to fear. Those things led to self-pity and unthankfulness. Unthankfulness. And that led me down a deep hole of depression, which led to the ultimate selfish choice. Let's be clear. At the root of my suicide attempt was an evil heart of unbelief. The devil didn't make me do it. Do I believe the devil is real and his minions are real? More than ever before. A mighty fortress is our God. A song all about the devil and his workings in this world. But he didn't overrule my will. It was rooted in unbelief. And depression didn't make me do it. Is depression real? Yes. But that didn't make me do it. My heart was full of unbelief. My heart was always erring. My heart departed from the living God in many ways. And my heart was hardened by sin. Abraham's fellowship with God was not restored until he returned to the place where his tent had been. And folks, when we get away from God, we got to go back to where we left God. And that's where we can 
that's where we can have joy and peace and happiness again. He returned to Bethel. He returned to the house of the Lord. The place of blessing in the Christian life is the place of faith and obedience. You know, the Bible talks about fiery darts from the wicked one. But the Bible also talks here in Hebrews chapter 3 about a heart that always errs. So folks, whether, whether the temptation is satanic or whether it is out of your own fleshly heart, the Apostle Paul said, I, O wretched man that I am. And, and the farther you get away from God, the more wretched you really see your heart to be. So whatever the source of depressive thoughts or um, sinful thoughts, whatever the source is, there's only one response out of it, and that is to agree with God and make a choice that is pleasing to God. Growth stops at the point of disobedience, and growth doesn't begin again until we return to the place where our tent had been. You get a bitterness in your heart towards someone and a hate towards someone, guess what? There's no growth in your spiritual life until you go back in your heart and you get over that bitterness and that hatred. You start, you start poking around on the internet and start getting sucked into pornography. You can pretend to walk with God all you want, but you got to go back and get that, that garbage out. And then growth will begin again. Complaining in your heart. You say, complaining is not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. The children of Israel didn't leave the promised land because of complaining. And a warning to you is, you know, James chapter 1 tells us that unconfessed prolonged sin will always lead to destruction. Now, the thing about Abraham and the thing about us is Abraham could have had these fearful thoughts and he could have talked to God about his fearful thoughts and never started heading to Egypt. He could have got his family together and started heading to Egypt and realized in his heart, you know what? This is the wrong way. I'm going back. You know, before he, when fear started overwhelming him and he was cooking up the, the lie to preserve his skin, he could have realized, you know what? I got to get back to Bethel. I got to get back to where I left God. At any time, he could have gone back. At any time, he could have gone back and could have spared his his family a lot of grief. And Christian, we can go back to God at any time. Now, the Bible says in 1 John 5 that there is a sin unto death. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. What, what, I'm, what I want to warn you is don't take your chances. By some miracle of God's grace, I'm allowed to stand here today, but it's only because of God's grace. There's no other reason. 
It's a miracle. But God could have let me pass on. He could have let me. It was his grace that allowed me to stay. But I wouldn't. You know, Jesus was very clear in Matthew 4. Don't tempt the Lord thy God. Don't tempt the Lord. Don't play with fire. Don't play with unconfessed sin. Don't, 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 don't play. Because Galatians says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So don't play around with God. Fear God. And you know, don't justify little sins in your heart. Deal with them. Get right with the Lord. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord, get someone else's help if you're having difficulty getting over it. God was protected miraculously. I mean, Abraham was protected miraculously. He even came out of Egypt a wealthier man. But there, there, all of that was because of God's grace. It wasn't because Abraham deserved it. It was grace. And there's a wonderful grace that protects us as Christians. But let's, let's guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. If you see an evil heart of unbelief, go to God and get it taken care of. Don't let it take you down a destructive hole and a destructive path. Return to God. And return to God now. Don't. Don't wait. And teenagers, don't play around with sin. You know, you'll say, oh, I'll worry about that when I'm an adult. No, take every sin seriously. And guess what? Um, God will bless your life in wonderful ways. And I believe every Christian will be on this kind of path to some degree at some point in their Christian life. And God is calling them, come back. Come back before you get down to Egypt. Come back before you make a real mess of things. Come back. He's a loving and compassionate friend and savior. Even when you make a real mess, he still says, come back. Come back. He loves us. And his love, um, Adriana gave me a keychain. It says, Romans chapter 8, fully known. And fully loved. God loves, if you're his child, he loves you fully. And he knows everything about you. And nothing can separate you from that love. And so nothing separated Abraham from that love. But what a mess he made. And we don't have to make those messes. If we'll just get back to God. Just get back to God. Just get back to Bethel. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. Father, you know, you know the heart of every child, every teenager, every young adult, every married couple, every person. You know every heart. It's, easy, it's not easy to fake it on the outside. And Lord, we may have other people faked out. 
You may be trying to fake people out. But you know, and we know, if there's something between, between you and us. So Lord, help us to search our hearts. And let's not take any sin too lightly. Sin can take you down quickly. It doesn't take very long. So, Father, please help us to search our hearts and turn from anything that you show us that needs to be turned from. Father, please bless in our hearts. Please, please let us search our hearts and please help us to leave here tonight um, with anything that's between us taken, taken care of. Father, please bless. Work in our hearts. In Jesus' name.